Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that the IB Network podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of every new podcast. We would appreciate if you would rate and review the network. You can also follow the IB Network on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. You can also join the IB Network sports group on Facebook. The Facebook page has a premium membership, which allows you to post without admin approval. You can be commissioner for the day and receive gambling picks. And with that, we are back with another Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast. I am your co-host, Ronell Tinsley. Uh, we're sending our well wishes out to our uh, good brother, Keith Fleming, who is not feeling so well. I am joined today by the third man of our six-man tag team group, Sam Howe. Sam, how are you doing today, my brother? I am doing quite well. I've been watching a lot of Cobra Kai, and currently the Flyers are winning, so I'm uh, in a good mood. It's always good when your team's winning. Oh, absolutely. I was listening to uh, the the crap talking that you were putting in at the end of the last podcast, and I really, really appreciate that as a man, that even in a loss, you're still standing up and giving both middle fingers. That's the way any sports fan should be. I mean, and as I'm sure that as we get further into this, you're a New York fan, I'm a Philadelphia fan, I'm sure that we will have, there'll be some, some hostile moments, some, uh, some friction. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I also found it uh, quite comical because, you, you know, when you guys were talking about the Patriots and you're like, well, I'm an Eagles fan, I don't have anything to be mad about. I was like, well, I'm a Giants fan, I don't have nothing to be mad about. Yeah, you, you really, like, you, you really, uh, you know, Shit Our guys laid the blueprint, and you and your team followed it to the letter. There's actually, uh, I, before we get into this, I do it's a funny story. A friend of mine, my best friend growing up, his brother-in-law uh, is a huge Giants fan. And uh, Chris, how you doing? Um, and he was a uh, – and, and when they, he and my friend's sister first started dating, they Giants were terrible. Eagles were great. And I just gave him nothing but shit. And then the, uh, there was the Super Bowl where the Giants won, and he literally called me and just laughed for 30 seconds. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, I was like, I wasn't even mad, but I was like, no, I had this coming. Yeah, um, you know, when we won that first one, I, it was the first championship I got to see since 91. And unfortunately, I lived long enough and watched football long enough that I've gotten to see every single uh, Giants Super Bowl win. Of course, I wasn't alive for their NFL championships, but I got to see them all. And no matter what, that was like the first one that I got to really appreciate because it was like my first adulthood football championship. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. when they won in 91, I was still a teenager. Uh yeah, that so was... I suppose we should uh, get into it. We're going to bring you the uh, payback recap from this uh, past Sunday, which I thought was top to bottom was a pretty good pay per view. Uh, what did you think in total? Uh, yeah, I, I joked with people that I thought that it was a really good in your house. Um, and for those of us who are old enough, like, I'm sure the kids like in your house. Um, but yeah, it was like a really, I thought that it set the table on a lot of interesting things. Uh, I thought that, you know, I still don't understand why they did it a week after SummerSlam, but God bless them. Um, and I, yeah, I thought it was a solid show. I thought that it was nothing spectacular, but I thought that it was exactly what they needed to do. A lot of table setting. Um, I 
you know, enjoyed it. I thought that it was, I didn't think that there was anything other than one thing that we'll get to, which is kind of egregiously bad. Um, that raw underground, which eventually I will get to, and I will get to complain about more. Because <laughs> that is, to me, like the weakest point of raw right now. Yeah, and I honestly can't wait until we get into this next week's recap so we can talk about uh, Raw Underground because to me, it looks like, and which reminds me that as of this podcast, I still haven't completed watching Monday Night Raw, but hopefully they're finally going to use that to tell some kind of story instead of just seeming to have a bunch of spots. So starting off with the pre-show, they had had a tag team match with the Iconics and the Riot Squad. So it started off with the Iconics showing a lot of good uh, tag team cohesion while the Riot Squad was having a lot of miscommunications with tags. The Iconics really did take advantage of it, double teaming them outside of the ring and then inside, you know, they were really working Ruby Riot over. Eventually, um, Liv Morgan thought that she was blindsided by Ruby Riot just as Ruby Riot was going for a tag and you saw that Liv was clearly thinking about it uh, outside of the ring that she couldn't decide whether or not she was going to get in or not. But she finally tagged in, started cleaning house. Uh, Peyton Royce did get controlled back, and then the Iconics hit Ruby Riot with the deja vu. Liv Morgan would make a last-second save and then drag Ruby to the corner to tag herself back in. The Iconics would then uh, try to hit Liv with the deja vu, but then... Uh, she broke out only to hit her finisher on Peyton Royce. They then double team uh, Billy Kay, uh, that is, they being Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, double team Billy Kay with the double knees, and then the Riot kick for the victory. Now, based off what we saw from the dissension in the match, do you feel that the Riot squad will stay together for the foreseeable future? You know, I, I, I thought yes, because the women's tag team, I mean, it's kind of frustrating because the women's division tag division, like once you get rid of Bailey and Sasha and they broke up, you know, I, I spoiler, they broke up the iconics on Monday. I don't know if you've seen that yet, which I don't I did really, like, I don't really get um, there's, you know, they had to basically Frankenstein a team together with uh, uh to me and to me <laughs> Naya and Shayna like they basically are like hey what if we did the bar but with women like because that is like they basically yeah. Seamus and Cesaro and I, I I I think they have to keep the riot squad together at least because like who who would feud what female tag teams do they have if they don't have the riot squad right well right now um the only two women that even remotely hang together are Lana and Natalia. And quite honestly, I would, I still look like Natalia is still trying to pursue her solo thing. So I, I see you're right with that. It, it does make it difficult. And I didn't quite understand that move that they made on Monday Night Raw, even though I know on one hand, Keith might be slightly excited because I know how big he is on Peyton Royce. Did you see so, the botch in that match, by the way? Did you see when I think it I, I think it was Liv Morgan who who messed yes, up the power bomb? Going off oh, of the second rope. Yeah. And I, I, I think uh it was Peyton, was I think it was Peyton Royce that she missed it on, right? 
Mm-hmm. And Peyton Royce, I don't know if you saw, laid in. Like, there was, some, there was a receipt right there. It's actually nice to see the women getting the, the same sort of, you know, receipts on each other. You know, not, not it's, they've come a long way from the, uh, from, from the, from 10 years ago, where they're able to, you know, sort of throw some stiff shots at each other. Right, right. And, you know, it's nice that they're also taking that seriously, that, you know, you saw that she kind of took a little umbrage to like, oh, come on, man, this is, a, this is, I mean, we only made the pre-show, don't mess our spot up. Yeah, definitely. I thought that that was, and, and it, it continues to, as like, I was, uh, I talked to Keith actually after the show, and like, that was one of the things that blows me away is how far, and I'll probably repeat myself, you know, people notice that, but that is like, when you think about where we've come from, with women's wrestling, like the, when they had that Bella twins, uh, Emma and Paige tag match, that, like that was 2014, I think, where maybe 2015, where they had the, uh, where they had the, the, it was like a minute and 30 seconds. And that was where we got the give divas a chance hashtag. And we've like, just the, the, the distance that we've come from that is really, you know, I, I, I'm really pleased with it. Which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to more when we get to the women's tag match. Oh, absolutely. And don't feel bad because, you know, as we've done this, I've realized, you know, I listen to us after we record these. And I tend to repeat myself often. You know, I tend to hammer a lot of my same points home, especially if I'm talking about the same performers. So, you know, we may feel we get repetitive, but, you know, hey, we feel how we feel. Yeah. So starting off the main show of the match was the U.S. title match with Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley. Uh, as we would suspect, Bobby Lashley would take early control. Apollo Crews did finally fight back, you know, and hit a cross body from the second rope. He got Bobby Lashley into the corner with some shoulder strikes, along with a nice-looking spine buster. Then he hits the standing moonsault while giving a tribute to Chadwick Boseman right before so. I was really impressed uh, right after that when he almost fully gorilla pressed Bobby Lashley over his head. Um, I, I was just like, I mean, I know Apollo is a specimen, but, you know, 260 and a bigger, a taller man like that, that was quite impressive. And he also, you know, showed a little strength hitting a pair of belly to back suplexes. He also hit a beautiful frog splash, but he could not get the three count. Lashley would catch him with a back elbow in the corner and then hit him with the choke slam right before slapping on the full Lashley, putting the hooks in and getting the tap out. After the poach match photo shoot, Apollo Crews would attack the Hurt Business, but got pulled off by MVP and Shelton Benjamin. Do you think after this match that there's any chance Apollo Crews gets the U.S. title back? I don't know. And, and honestly, I, like, I, I, this is also something that like, I, obviously, you know, the joke I'm going to make about like, no, I think next is going to be Ricochet or Cedric Alexander. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I actually, that's funny because in my notes, uh, I was, uh, I just remember writing that I was impressed with Apollo Cruz in a loss. Uh, and, you know, I was expecting him to go over, but in parentheses, I uh, put, also, uh, I couldn't hide the fact that there was also a black referee 
in the match. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, just, I, was like, I was like, I wonder if Sam noticed that, you know, and it's something that, you know, we can joke about because it's like, yeah. And who is going to be next? Because, you know, what wound up happening was that they're going to, they had Cedric Alexander challenging him in a six-man match uh, the following night. So that did kind of, it did kind of bother me, and you know, I, and I guess I'm I'm gonna just have to drop that feeling because I know that we're, we joke about that uh, with this feud, but like really, I do hope that they have some plan to really elevate the United States title. I mean, seriously, you just gave it a facelift. Um, you and I have talked about the possibility of the thought of combining the world titles. Um, and that would make those mid-card titles that much more important. Um, Keith and I uh, are very high on our titles holding prestige. U.S. title has always been one of my favorite titles. And I just hope that they start doing something better with it. Uh, I mean, congratulations to Bobby Lashley, you know, his second um, mid-card title because he had two intercontinental title reigns. But... I'm hoping that it, one, springboards the, the U.S. title into something more, and two, can we just, like, finish what we're going to do with this Apollo Crews thing, let whoever's going to have the U.S. title, you know, go on their way. It, yeah, and I mean, we joke about it, but, like, it honestly does make me angry because, like, the the other thing about, uh, there's sort of, before I get to that, the, uh, I, I thought that I was kind of befuddled, and it's, it's one of those things that kind of bothers me about the WWE was like Apollo's post-match attack where I was like, Apollo's supposed to be the face. He loses clean. And then he jumps Bobby Lashley from behind. Like, is he a heel? Like, was that a heel? Like I, is he going to go with the hurt business? I, I, I didn't, what did you make of that? Like, do you think it was just like the usual sort of wonky WWE booking? Like, you know, wanted him yeah. to get his heat back? Or do you think that it, it was the sign of a heel turn? No, I thought that that was him just trying to get his heat back, um, just trying to make sure that Lashley knows that he's still going to be gunning back for that title. I just, you know, outside of how we feel about that, uh, if we just look at it from the business side, uh, I do hope that it does at the very least, start a mean streak, maybe, you know, you can keep him base, but let him get a little, uh, a little more aggressive, instead of just being this, you know, smiling baby face, like, you know, we've always talked about, he has the, the look for a champion, um, we just, you know, adding a little meanness in there might help his cause in getting pushed for Yeah, but that's really, it's interesting, before you said that, I'd never thought of it, but he's one of the most pure white meat baby faces. Like, because he, uh, and I'm going to, might show how little I paid attention to the product somewhat, but has he been a heel in the WWE? I don't believe so. Because he, like, he really is just like, like, all accounts, he's just, like, it seems to be, like, Dad's character is like, he's a good dude. And, like, he's he's really charismatic and it's it's also kind of funny to me to think about like again when like i started watching wrestling like you're talking about him doing a frog splash like think about like could you imagine the british bulldog or like because this reminded me actually a little bit of the british bulldog on med johnson feud where they had those two kind of big power guys in 96 and like could you imagine either of those guys doing a frog splash no <laughs> i mean yeah, I'm that, med- that would have been crazy yeah, and, and 
and it just it sort of speaks to the the athleticism of these guys and which is you know kind of kind of insane and I, I something I appreciate like the I enjoy I I'm not usually a lash like I think Lashley is great presentation but I I'm not usually a fan of his in-ring work it's just not my thing and I thought that he he and Apollo actually do have good chemistry I thought it was a good match um, they really do actually Yeah, and you know, and, and it's sad that it has come to that because you know they've been working together so long, so you would hope that they could. And whether it translates into something more, but, you know, let's hope that WWE has something good in mind for the both of them. Yeah. So moving on to the next match, we're gonna go with um, King Corbin versus Matt Riddle. Now, this was a really good match that to me showed hints of the uh, mixed martial art element that we actually have to credit Brock Lesnar for introducing to pro wrestling because there was a lot of good grappling in there. Um, it started out with Corbin controlling the match. He was definitely being the aggressor using the combination of both grappling, his strikes, and you know beating Matt Riddle up on the announce table outside. Riddle would get in a little offense, you know, using his MMA background, but Corbin would have an answer to most of his holds, uh, you know, sleeper holds, grapplings, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kimura attempts early. Um, I did notice during the match that Matt Riddle didn't scout out Corbin's slide underneath the corner and, you know, slide back into the clothesline. And before I could even mention it in my own personal notes, I had heard the um, announce team uh, talking about that. But as we suspected in the end, Riddle would get his offense going and then secure the win with flying bro. During a post-match interview, King Corbin would attack Matt Riddle. Do we see this feud carrying all the way out for another month into Clash of Champions? Oh, uh, I'm 50-50 on it. Um, yeah, I mean... Yes, just because I think that, like, I, I, not because I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I, I think that the years ago, there was some, uh, on with Spandex, there was a joke that Wade Barrett, when he was King Barrett, was King Take a Pin. And that's, that's the same thing with Corbin. Like, the, and I, I think it does just because I don't think that they have, a uh i don't think that they have a plan for riddle like i i don't know if i feel like this is a holding pattern and they're just like well we're gonna do this one more month uh what about you what do you think uh, i'm also in that agreement that it's probably going to be another month um i had noticed and um, said to myself that just as a performance wise king corbin had really put on a really good match and it had me thinking back to when he was uh, vying for the title with Roman Reigns and just that entire time in between then and his winning the King of the Ring he's been really polished and I'm thinking once he adds another move or two and once he's done with the King gimmick you know maybe another year or so I can see him right back in the world in the world title picture, one of the world title pictures, just because you know he worked really fantastically. But you know, unfortunately, right now I think they've put him in to elevate Matt Riddle first. Yeah, and it's, it's Corbin's one of those guys that I think is sort of a casualty of the booking, 
where he's talented. He's definitely talented. Um, I but it's one of those like they've not like every feud he's in. I feel like it's just like the Price is Right losing horn, and mm-hmm. it's just like him getting like dunked on. And you, you there's a point where like again, he's a guy. Actually, he's really interesting. It's like there are a lot of these guys like who take I think really benefit from a little bit time away from the WWE. And I feel like he's a guy who I would really be interested in seeing in New Japan. Uh, just I feel like he would do like a little bit, just putting a little bit of an exclamation point on him as a worker and as like a little bit of seasoning. Uh, but he's like, I think he has potential. Uh, I, I see his ceiling more as a successful mid-card heel. Uh, I, I think that he's, you know, I, I think that he, like, you can put him in the title picture, obviously, I, I, but I think that he's not a guy who's going to be, he's, he sort of reminds me a little bit, and this is not a knock on the guy, but uh, that Jake Roberts, uh, Razor Ramon, sort of top of the, mm-hmm. top of the middle, and he gold dust, another guy, Dustin Rhodes, you know, guy who's a real solid mid-carder, and you need those guys, the guys who aren't, like, not everyone is cut out and meant to be a world champion. And it's fine that he's not. Right. Uh, that's not a knock on him by any means. It's it's actually just like it, it. I think he's really solid in his role. I mean, honestly, if you're really getting into this business, yeah, I'm sure in your mind you would love to make it to the top of any promotion. But if you're a well-paid um, talent who's consistently used to kind of push those that they really see the multiple world time talent upon in the future and you used to propel them. That's really not a bad job to have. Uh, another question I had about this match. Um, do you think there was, uh, and I know we're going to be able to get to touch on this later, so I don't want to spoil it, but do you think there was real heat between Corbin and Riddle because I was looking at a lot of those pins and a lot of them he was like really hooking it tight, hooking the second leg, driving the form into Riddle's face. Um, do, do you think there's anything to them having like some real beef? No, and I, I think that, and we'll get into that later. Um, I think that one reason I wondered about having them work together is is that with Riddle's MMA background and with Baron Corbin being a former boxer and a football player. Like, I think some of it is, is that, and part of why I think the match worked is that some guys work well together because, you know, I, I'm, I don't know any, uh, I, I don't know if they have a reputation for working snug, but I think that like, that's part of, I always enjoy that sort of, you know, strong style, snug style, um, strong style sounds cooler. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, the, which they, you know, if they're able to work snug together and have it go well, great, good for them. Like, and, and but I think that that was more them trying to pay off the story than anything. Right. So on to the next match, we had had Big E versus Sheamus. Um, I 
particularly thought this was a really good match to jumpstart Biggie's solo run since him and Sheamus are very familiar with each other based on their tag team title history. So it made sense that it was really well executed. Sheamus largely had command after focusing on Biggie's leg, keeping him grounded and also not allowing Biggie to get his explosive moves going, even countering an initial spear on the apron. But once Biggie got his momentum going, he wasn't going to be denied his victory. After the match, he got highly passionate right in front of Corey Graves. And I like how they used the, the New Day Corey Graves feud to kind of put Biggie over that much more with Corey talking about uh, looking Biggie in the eyes and feeling his intensity so much. Um, what did you think of the match, first of all, and who do you think they'll put Biggie in there with next? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I thought that Sheamus is another one of those guys who I just think is almost like a victim of how um, like how deep the roster is. Uh, and I, but I thought that, but one thing I do want to touch on is one of my consistent favorite things about the WWE is Vince McMahon being 10 to 20 years behind pop culture, like where he had Razor Ramon doing a Tony Montana gimmick, like 10 years, uh, after Scarface came out. And now he has like, I just imagine him like like swaggering into a booking meeting and being like, ah, I got a new gimmick for Sheamus. I saw this movie called Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, because like that's Sheamus' gimmick. Is it, yeah. He's like, and, and just like how excited Vince, he's like, you're going to be an Irish boxer, a bare knuckle fighter. And so like that just like cracked me up. I, I also... Like, I don't know if it was you who mentioned, like, that Seamus tapes up his fists. Keith. Keith mentioned this. Is it, like, Seamus tapes up his fists before the fight? And then, like, comes to the ring? And, like, so does he just, like, walk around without tape? Fit? Like, but, uh, I, yeah, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was exactly what Biggie needed. Um, I think it's funny. We got a very similar run with Kofi. But I would be really excited to see a Biggie run that culminates in him, you know, him and Roman at Mania. Um, you know, one thing, one rumor that I've always heard was that it was between Roman and Biggie for who was going to get that push that Roman got. And we obviously know what happened, but it would be really interesting if that's true to hear, you know, a interview where, you know, the dad is the build of WrestleMania is like, he, you know, I've waited five years for my chance. They picked him over me. I, 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 I think that you keep churning the 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 legs of Big E and pushing that. I think one problem though is that with Jeff Hardy being the Intercontinental Champion, is that the um is that you're you're getting to a situation where um you don't really have, you have too many faces. Like that was what I was thinking of is I was like, Oh, it'd be really great for Matt Riddle to challenge for the intercontinental title or big E, but like they're all faces. So, I mean, maybe you turn Jeff Hardy heel, but it, it would be cool to see big E going for at least a mid card title as we're just starting the fall. 
Yeah, and um, that was one of the things that I was thinking about because it made me wonder how long do they really want to keep the IC title on Jeff. Problem with that is that they've worked uh, over the past like year or two really hard at building the prestige back up into the Intercontinental title, which I'm very happy for. So it's not like we can start being all willy-nilly. Although, now that I think about it, we're going to presume that he's going to feud with Sami Zayn in terms of who the real uh, quote-unquote yeah. intercontinental champion is. So the possibility that Sami Zayn could possibly recapture the IC title would be a shame that he would have to be the one to fall the baby because, you know, I we had talked about it here that we were hoping that Sammy would get a decent enough push uh, for his title reign. But I wouldn't be upset with what you had said in terms of Biggie and Roman. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do in terms of what they're going to do with Bray Wyatt right now. Yeah. And it's, Excuse me. I mean, again, I, I, it's you know, champagne problems that the roster is this, uh, that th- is this talented. Uh, one thing that's funny that a friend of mine uh, and I were joking about was was that Sami Zayn coming back. Uh, you know, he's a big a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I was like, did did he like like? Yeah, I felt like his time off coincided with the the hockey playoffs starting. It's like, did did he? <laughs> go away to watch like the Canadians and like yeah go pandemic guys like which I think is funny like I kind of really hope that's the truth like I doubt it just because he's such a professional but like I kind of hope that's the case um but yeah I think that there's a lot of like they're really in a position to maximize that roster uh and, and the talent on there like there's a lot of like I would be really excited to watch a Biggie Sammy feud or a Biggie uh, or a Matt Riddle Sammy Zayn feud. So I think there's a lot that they could do with that. And it's, you know, really interesting because I know that we say that all the time and it's really weird how it's just like doubling down even right now that they're just loaded top to bottom. And yes, you know, this is where we're going to repeat ourselves. They've got the most talented roster in history. There's no doubt about it. So moving on, we had had the Mysterios versus Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. First thing I noticed about this was the now matching apparel that Seth and uh, Buddy Murphy sported to the ring. Uh, Dominic started off the match by psyching out his father and going straight on the attack right at, at the bell. Using the element of surprise, he was able to get the better of Seth and Murphy. After Ray got into the match, Rollins and Murphy used their experience together to just continually work them over. The majority of the match was controlled by the Monday Night Messiah and Buddy Murphy. In the end, the father and son would rally back, win the match, as Dominic would hit the frog splash on Murphy for the victory. Now, this has been a up and down feud. You know, it's had some moments where I was just like, oh, can they be done? And then, oh, well... Let's let's continue. But how long do you feel that they can continue with this feud with the Mysterios and Seth Rollins? And what could they possibly end it with if losing an eye wasn't enough? Uh, you know, honestly, I have to say that 
like I, I almost feel like this is the break point. Uh, one thing like I keep waiting for is that Dominic turns on Ray. I kind of like that they didn't do that though, because I, I, you know, there's a lot of, I, I, I hammer a lot of that A, B, C storytelling, but, and I, predictable is not always bad. You know, that there's a reason we tell stories the way that we do. Um, I would really like to see, um, you know, if that's where I would end it, um, maybe have Dominic replace uh, Murphy uh, in that stable or, you know, have it be, I, I feel like that's the next thing that we're going to do is that we're going to have like maybe it's a psych out with Murphy and Rollins or you know maybe Rollins maybe they transfer the feud to Rollins and Murphy and that's the next step but I I don't I I felt like that was kind of the beginning of the end I mean it really felt like the end of their story it's funny that you mentioned that because one of my follow-ups was um you know Murphy had accidentally kicked Seth not long before he took in and i think that recently buddy murphy is looking good physically and uh is telling a great part in his story but what do you feel will be uh his future once he's done being an acolyte uh i think that i mean the the obvious feud is that he i mean there, there's one of two ways that you go with this and the logical storytelling is either murphy turns heel turns face or seth turns face uh you would think that and that either happens with but if murphy's if if rollins is going to turn face you would figure that there would be more members of the stable um that you would have well they suspended theory yeah um though i think he's supposedly coming back um but you know maybe having dominic come in and having him turn you know, that's the kind of thing that I could see. Um, I think that Murphy could really benefit from a feud with Seth Rollins. And, you know, I, I think that Seth has the kind of cash to allow, you know, really get over as a better, uh, you know, get, get over and, and really show Murphy as an important, you know, main roster guy, not just a flunky. Yeah, uh, and that's what I was thinking because, you know, he has been impressive even back as far as when he was feuding with Aleister Black, uh, even in all the matches before he joined Seth Rollins. I was really starting to come around on Buddy Murphy, and now it's just looking like he's getting a little more polished. And I, too, think that it would make the most sense for him and Seth to uh, feud so that Seth can kind of help bolster his – his position on the roster. The next match we want to talk about is Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. I absolutely love Keith Lee coming down in his uh, Dragon Ball outfit. Uh, gosh, I, I'm not a big Dragon Ball Z fan, but my, my uh, best friend Ronak was the one who told me, it told me because I'm looking at it and I'm like, that looks familiar. Then when he said it, I'm like, that's what it was, which made total sense. Um, they put on a really good show, um, as I would expect. What I didn't expect, you know, for all of the matches on this card, I was actually expecting this match to kind of go a little longer, considering that most of the matches were at least a good 
15 minutes or better. But this was actually a quicker match. But uh, in the end, Keith Lee would counter the RKO by getting Randy Orton up in the spirit bomb and getting himself over for the three count. Where... Now, we've always been really high on on Keith Lee. Do we feel that he is going to jump right in and jump right into the title picture? Yes. I think that he – and I thought that he came out of that match looking like a star. Um, you know, I, I'm very critical of Randy Orton a lot. Um, but I thought that, you know, he, he looked Sunday and Monday like a damn star. Um, there, There is mm. – I, there's just no way, two ways around it. Um, I did not get the Dragon Ball Z reference. Uh, and so I thought that he had killed and skinned Big Bird. Uh, that was what that outfit looked like to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if that's what he's wearing instead of shorts, like, guys, bring the kilt back. Uh, but I liked the tweak to his look as well. I thought that the, the I thought that that was actually a bit of, you know, they, I like the shorts. I like the, um, I like the, the I, people, you know, I, I, I like the top that he has. I like the, but I mean, you, you're going to put him out there. Yeah, he looked like a star. Uh, I don't know if, you know, if it just, RC is going to kill me for this, but if I'm fantasy booking, have him wrestle a number one contender match at, you know, something at Night of Champion, you know, or, or Hell in a Cell and have him go to Survivor Series. You know, have him be ready for the title match at Survivor Series. And I think that, you know, he, he, he looked like a star. I mean, and I think we'll probably talk about Raw. Late, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. Never mind. Go on. Um, but, right, yeah, what do you think? Right. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think he'll be going for the, I, the title? I absolutely did. Um, I... I was nervous for some reason because, you know, we on this show have been uh, extremely high on Keith Lee. Um, you know, we didn't start until the turn of the year, but we had mentioned numerous times about, you know, the fall that Keith Lee and the, the fall and January, you know, that uh, Keith Lee had had, you know, he had looked like an absolute stud last year at the Survivor Series. His performance in this, you know, a, here, here I go again with uh, repeating what we say, but but it's true. You know, the Survivor Series, what he did with Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble, the great showing. Um, of course, being the first dual champion, I mean, he's built for prime time. He is ready for right now. And, you know, I wasn't around when watching Finn Balor come in and be ready made to be right there and go right for the title. And I feel that since I've been watching these past five or so years, Keith Lee is the most ready for prime time NXT star I've seen. I, and RC's made fun of me uh, for this for a long time about saying that I thought that Matt Riddle was the most can't miss prospect since Daniel Bryan. Um, I think that I was, and that was just based on what Vince likes, but I mean, Keith Lee is probably, I mean, I, I would argue that that's Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee is, you know, he's big, he can move, he can talk, 
he's you know I, and i think that it's pretty clear that vince thinks he's a star which is 90 percent of the battle um and i think that he is you know how many guys has not only randy put over randy orton put over clean but how many guys has randy orton like made look that good like that was the other you know that's one of my knocks against less orton. than a handful yeah, I mean, he went out there and he just looked so good. I mean, he—that was what I thought. I thought that if you if you watched that match and you didn't come away thinking that Keith Lee is a star, you know, and he's had a few of those moments, but like you said, a lot of those, you know, figuring that half the audience, based on the the ratings, doesn't watch NXT. If you haven't seen Keith Lee since Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble, where he came in. And Brock Lesnar even looked excited to work with him. That's, you know, that, that is a hell lot. of a, yeah, that's a hell of a reintroduction to have Orton, you know, come out and, and, and clean as a sheet, you know, no, no, nothing, no BS, put Keith Lee over and make him into a star. So what about yeah, you? Totally. What, what, uh, no, no, absolutely. Um, I thought the match was fantastic. It was one of those things that I was looking at as a whole. And like I got scared because it's like, are I mean, are they real? Are they really seeing what we see? And they're gonna actually go with this because that's great. It's just we're not neat. Well, I'm not used to that. That hey, what I like is working, and they're gonna actually give me more of that. Holy crap! Yeah, I mean, so, I, mean uh, I, I, I'm used to. Uh, the guy, my favorite wrestler, winning the title at SummerSlam and then getting kicked in the stomach by Triple H and pinned by Randy Orton. Um, <laughs> you know that that's that I'm. You know I think that uh, the one thing I will say is that I kind of hope that Keith Lee they hold off on his moment until there's crowd because I just think mm. he and and a lot of these guys get it in terms of connecting with the audience, but he does a great job of connecting with the audience. And I think yeah. that the people will lose their shit if he wins. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully they can get back to maybe what AEW is doing, even just doing 10% capacity, just so you can start getting some crowd. Um, I absolutely love the updated look the even the in-ring look um i too like you was a little uh, thrown off with the kilt part um i was fine with the shirt it was the kilt part that kind of threw me off and i not knowing uh the contractual issue behind the music that kind of messed me up but i see that they're trying to remedy that as well so i think that they're pretty much ready to do this with keith and i just hope that they do um, I can't wait until you know it's safe enough so that they can have crowd. Um, Drew McIntyre deserves to have a little bit of championship uh, love in front of live fans for the run that he's had. So, and, and I would love to see Keith Lee's big moment happening in front of people. But yeah. before we, because uh, <laughs> uh, we could continue to gush over Keith Lee for another five, ten minutes, I'm sure. But let's go to one of my uh, favorite matches of this card, and that was the Golden Role Models versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax for the Women's Tag Team Titles. Uh, one of the first things I noticed outside of 
and this is something I'm always looking for in championship pictures is does the champions get come out and get introduced first? Mm-hmm. I'm still one of those uh, I'm still one of those people who still loves looking for little subtle nods like that. And uh, the, one of the other things I noticed was Nia Jax giving a shout out to Tamina uh, wearing her nowhere, no one meaner than Tamina shirt. Uh, what I loved most about this match is in the beginning, you really got to see the difference between um, a, what happens with when they show Naya and Shayna being the forces they are versus the role models showing us what a tag team should be doing. Because you notice that when both Shayna and Naya were in the ring early, like they were both just having their way with whomever they were with. But once, uh, the role models started doing, you know, a little tag team action, holding them in the corner for a meteora, things of that nature. You got to see the real difference between a functioning unit and two people just kind of slapped together. And, and, you know, that has always been kind of, you know, one of the things that, like, me breathing through, like, my teeth is I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna do this. But I thought that that, they did a really good job of that. But I also thought that the, you know, and I I think you'll get into the ending, but with the the, the dissension and kind of the underlying tension between Bailey and Sasha, um, you know, Matt, I I thought that that was, I I thought that it was just a really wonderfully executed match in that regard. So did I. So did I. It, It was really great. I loved how they showed the difference between being a force and then the teamwork, even through the, you know, especially when Bailey and um, Sasha pulled the big elbow and frog slash back to back. Uh, I have a quick question before I get to the ending of this match. How long, uh, have I not been paying attention, but how long has Shayna had that tilt the world gut bridge suplex? Uh, I feel like that's been a while. I, I that, that has been part of her repertoire. Yeah, I feel like that. The um, that I think so. That sounds right. I don't know how I missed that. It's just when she had hit that in on both of them, I was like, "How the hell did I miss the fact that she had a gut wrench tilt the world suplex? Like that's a, an amazing just sight." The, I think it depends on sort of the size of the women that she's wrestling. I think that she's, uh, but I feel like that's been for a while. I will say one thing, you know, I, I think that Naya, unfairly, fairly, however you want to describe it, has gotten a lot of heat. Uh, and I thought that she, you know, again, and I always feel awkward saying this as a guy who's never in his life even set foot in a wrestling ring. But I thought that she did a really good job in the match. I think it helps that, like, she had a match with three of the, um, you know, best female wrestlers in the world Absolute right now. best talents. But, you know, she's still, like, I, there was not a point where, where, I mean, she's had matches with other talent where I've been like, ooh. And I just thought that she did a really good job in the match. I thought that it was, and I thought that, I didn't, again, I, I obviously, you know, I, I think that they're going to do the bar storyline and it is what it is, but I thought that, you know, I, I thought that it was a really solid match and I love the ending, which I'll let you get into more. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just get right to it. I thought it was a very dope finish with Shayna Baszler locking in both the Muda Lock and the Kirabuda Clutch, getting, and then using Sasha's arm 
to double down on the Kirabuta clutch, getting Bailey to be the one to actually tap out for the win. I'm super stoked for Shayna getting a win in this fashion, especially I feel she's been completely underused uh, since she's been called up this year. So um, seeing how dominant they were in this match as solo competitors, how long do you think they have Shayna and Nia hold on to the tag team's titles? Uh, so, you see, and, and this is where it gets difficult with the division as it is in the shape that it's in is that I think that Shayna would be a great WrestleMania. You know, I, I think that Shayna would be a great WrestleMania competitor for, uh, for Nia, for Asuka. But I think that the, because of the state of the women's division, you kind of have to keep the titles on them. You know, I just don't see another, you know, I, I don't see another team that you could conceivably say, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be, you know, I, I just don't see that at this point. Um, so for a while would be my, the short answer is for a while. <laughs> uh, what about you? Do you, do you uh, see? Um, because- I, I see that, and that's where I, I was having a hard time because I was going back to think, you know, they've only had four different, uh, tag team champions uh, since the inception of the women's tag title. I, I believe only four, right? Iconics, Kabuki's, Boss Hub. Yeah, I think Shana Boss Hub. Yeah, I mean, but I think oh, Boss Hub. Oh, Alexa and Nikki. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. They won at Mania. Um, right, I think right. they won. Yeah. Um, my my brain is has been punctured by yes. Clive Quarantine Brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I feel that I feel that they, I, I guess they have to hold on to it for a while. Um, one thing that you know, in as much as they have a really deep women's roster, they don't have a deep women's tag division, and you know that's a, a problem we also saw with, and we both see with both AEW and NXT that you know. Quite honestly, we just don't really have a deep enough roster with women who are just specifically tag teams. And, you know, that's fine. You know, it, it does allow to bring in a bunch of interesting stories based on the roster that they have. So I do see that, you know, especially considering the way that they just took those titles, there's no way you take those titles off of them before the year's out. No, no, I don't. I And... I think the other thing that they've shown with the golden role models is that you can absolutely do a, uh, you know, that you can have singles titles, you know, and, you know, they've shown that you can be two belts. So I, I think that that allows some, you know, advantage that, that they've not had, um, you know, that, that I think that they're, that allows a little bit more flexibility. Um, but I, I think that, I guess their faces, it's, that's sort of the weird limbo. Yeah, that's the funny thing, is that it, I feel that they use this entire, they use this match for a face term for both Nia and Shayna. Um, I do hope that one of the upsides, and, I, and I'm sorry for cutting you off right there, but one of the upsides is that I do hope they continue to allow the tag titles to be interbrand defended. I agree. Uh, one thing that I would like, actually, if they're going to turn um, them back heel, honestly, would be to have uh, Shayna and, you know, if they wanted to do a, a feud, you know, as part of the Bailey and Sasha feud, 
where they let them, uh, you know, they let, uh, they had the, the women's tag champs as sort of the heaters as the, 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 the defense for Bailey, uh, assuming Bailey's going to turn heel. Um, but you know, whoever the heel turn, you know, I'm assuming it's Bailey cause she's the champ still, but allow, you know, let them do that and, and let them get over that way. You know, I, I would think that would be just a great use of both of them as sort of the muscle for whoever the women, whoever the heel in that Sasha Bailey feed is, which again, mm. I'm assuming it's, it's Bailey just because again, she's a champ. I, I feel it has to, it has to be. And, and do you feel that, uh, once they, drop their titles that they go back to feuding or do they just split somewhat amicably uh it's a good question um my assumption is excuse me that they go back that they that depends on how soon i would assume split amicably i think it sort of depends on where the women's division is um and what happens you know i think that if one of them gets hurt for example um then you can obviously do it a little bit more in terms of, you know, just having somebody go out on their own. But I think that it sort of depends. Uh, I would assume amicably just because neither one of them really feels like, you know, a baby face. I mean, I, 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 and I mean that in a, they're both really badass and, Hmm. so it's hard to imagine one of them sort of playing the, the one who gets attacked. It's hard right. to imagine like either it, in his face. And it's funny because here I am thinking about, like, when was the last time we saw Naya as a uh, face? And that was when she was winning the world title and uh, after Alexa Bliss was using her. I, I really hate I That's, like, I get why they did it. I just feel like there's certain storylines that WWE is not equipped to do. And that's one of them. Like, that was just one of those that was, like, uh, yeah, I mean, less said about that, the better. I think that there's a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're going to move on to the main event for the Universal title. Um, I've got to say that this was a really well-done match. Um, Ray and Braun looked absolutely fantastic earlier. It, this was quite the brutal match, both in and out of the ring. They took advantage of it being a triple threat match. Uh, I got to say that they kind of telegraphed that Braun was going to go through that table, though, because uh, I, I kind of looked and saw that the table was already cleared before uh, before Braun, before they brought him back and put him through the table. One of the things that I had noticed about that uh, while they were going through all that brutality that I thought it was quite poignant that the mallet was actually used in the match because Braun is the only person that has the size to conceivably take that and stand up. Uh, So after the the brutality that they took up the ramp, off of the table, back into the ring, there was a massive superplex which broke the ring. Um, I mean, it even had my girlfriend asked me, wait a minute, you got to rewind that because I can't believe what I just saw. Can I see that again? And I told her, and I still haven't gotten around to showing her uh, the initial one with uh, Rock and Big Show. No. But after the superplex, Roman's music hits. He and Paul Heyman come down the ramp. Roman's got a chair in one hand, signs the contract with the other, comes in, 
uh, initially goes for the pin and you hear him yell at the ref, you know, make a something like make a count bitch. Count faster, like bitch, I think. I thought oh, that okay. was. Yeah. <laughs> count it, bitch. Uh, he then just pretty much takes the chair. He beats Bray to Bray, uh, drops out of the ring, beats up Braun with the chair a little more. Hits the spear, and we have a new universal champion. And he just slung it over his shoulder and walked away. Unfortunately, this was something that most wrestling fans kind of saw happening. Like, we knew that Braun had to be in there to take a pin, which really stinks, uh, all things considering, because Braun just looked great in this. And it's a damn shame that he had to be the one to take the fall for this what did you think of this match and what do you think happens next with the universal title so okay some of my problem with this i i i have mixed feelings about it ultimately i'm going to come out with a positive look on it because the match is really good um that's not how contracts work um <laughs> yeah like, right right <laughs> yes like, like that was kind of my problem with it was that like you know you don't get to wait until the match starts and then sign the contract guys. It's, that's not how this works. Um, and especially for a company that loves to like obsess over that kind of crap, like board seats. Like I think that the, that the McMahons and the booking team thinks that we find contractual minutia way more interesting than the average <laughs> wrestling fan does. Um, it, it just, that's my, uh, you know, uh, the whole harmless agreements. Anyway, uh, I thought that, it was a great heel move though, ultimately. And I, this goes back to my predictable is not always bad. Um, I thought that the, um, I also thought that the ending and one thing that you left out that I thought was really cool. So Brett, Brett, Roman comes down, uh, the ring shattered. He goes after Bray. Bray ends up hitting him with a mandible claw. Oh, my God, yes, 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 yes. And and so he kicks Bray in the dick and then goes after Braun, which I thought was a great little heel touch from Roman. That was a nice rub. And I thought that he uh, did a really good job of, you know, I I thought, I think that you, you know, maybe you do, I mean, I figure that maybe you give Braun another shot at Night of Champions, um, you know, I, I worry about having Bray just because you, you know, him losing the match, uh, like that, you know, cause I, I feel like you want to set up a longer Roman title. I don't think you just hot shot it off a of Roman. Um, and I just, I think that ultimately that sort of, I, 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 I don't know where they go with it. I would assume, you know, a long title run for, um, for Roman, but I, I think sky's sort of the limit for that. I'm excited for Roman to heal. I thought he did yeah. a great job healing it up. Yeah, and, you know, not being a huge Roman Reigns fan, like, I, I kind of understand what the internet marks and, you know, the people. Uh, I'm kind of like the people, you know, they had gotten tired of you telling me that this guy is good. Like, yes, I get it. You, you look at him, he looks like a freaking million bucks of course you want to make him a star but you know i'm sorry he wasn't as relatable on the line you know you you're, the stuff that you give him to work with hasn't flowed smoothly 
even when he was getting screwed out of championships and such, like that wasn't enough to fully ingratiate me to him and be like, oh man, I want you to get back to the top of the mountain. Now that he's at the top of the mountain giving us something that we've never seen, this I'm highly interested in. I can't wait to see what kind of heel champion he's going to be because I'm going to assume he's going to be one of those at all costs kind of guys. I wouldn't even be surprised if he's one of those dudes who will take maybe a count out loss from time to time just to do something somewhat weaselly or, but you know, just the fact that we're getting Roman Reigns as a heel right now uh, is super exciting. The, the, the only downfall is that I wonder uh, at what cost to both Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. I think Braun is the more harmed one here. Uh, and they've done a lot of harm to him. Actually, similar to Roman. Uh, I, it, mm. And it's very interesting because what you were saying about Roman was it reminded me of his, that when he beat Triple H, I think it was, and he wrestled AJ Styles. And they had this great match. And I really enjoyed the match up until Roman won. I was just like, oh. <laughs> and, and that's not, and it's not a knock on Roman. It's a knock on like the booking of the WWE. Uh, and I think that that is ultimately the downfall with Roman. I think that they're, I like that they're leaning into this. Um, I think that they really, again, protected, I thought Bray looked strong, you know, in that match. I think we all sort of saw something like that coming, but, you know, as I said, predictable, not bad. Um, and I, I thought that they did a good job with it. Um, I, I, I kind of hope they'll go away. I mean, that's one problem is that I feel like we've been in a holding pattern with a lot of these storylines and I'm fine. Like, you know, maybe have AJ Styles go after him. You know, maybe use some of that real life heat that AJ and uh, Paul Heyman have. You know, maybe that wouldn't be a terrible idea. I do like that. And come to think about it, we, uh, I did fail to mention, it's not like, you know, Bray and Braun don't have anything to go on because they're also during the match uh we had a alexa bliss uh watching intently so there's it's still uh left to be said what's going to play out with the rest of this uh i am liking the fact that once again somebody has been touched by the theme and it's come out changed by the theme um so you know that leads the story as to what's going to be happening with alexa and uh, her best friend Nikki, um, how it um, correlates with will they, are we going to work towards a Wyatt Family 2.0? Well, the way that match went and the way that Braun seems to be going, it doesn't seem like we're going to get that, but something with Alexa, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything with that to draw Braun back in. Yeah, I, I kind of also with Alexa's look, I was in the hammer. I was very much reminded of Harley Quinn. Um, I, 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 I also, I find Nikki Cross incredibly charming um, and incredibly likable. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I find like her, her, her character is just so endearing. It's actually, it's just, it, you know, which is always nice in wrestling you know she's a face it's nice to like the face um but yeah i mean i i would assume like i said i would like to see them do something with the uh 
you know, maybe move away from, you know, I, I just feel like we've been, you know, we've been doing for three months, Braun and Bray, like maybe move away from that. Maybe let Braun feud with Roman. I feel like they have a good history together. Uh, but I guess Braun is still kind of a heel question mark. I, I thought that that was actually, I said this to, I said this to Keith. I said, I thought that it was really interesting that they managed a triple turn at SummerSlam, which is they right. turned Ro- Roman heel, Bray face and a brawn tweener and which is just really well done. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely got to salute for that. You know, we'll, we'll give them crap. So definitely got to throw the kudos out um, when they do something that, that that's quite like a commendable. So let's move on to our uh, wrestler on the rise this week. Uh, who do you have? My wrestler on the rise this week, and I'm going to guess that we're, uh, to steal Cameron Grimes' phrase, uh, Keith Lee to the moon, baby. To the moon. Yeah, um, uh, it, it was really hard. It was really hard to go against them, you know, uh, when I had messaged you earlier. Uh, I had told you I was re-watching just to see if I could finagle something different which I only was able to on like one other thing because mm-hmm. it's really hard to go against that. Like it's obvious that, you know, the missile's ready to launch. Keith Lee's ready to shoot right out into the freaking stratosphere. So for the wrestler on the slide, my wrestler on the slide only by the result of losing is Sasha and Bailey, and this was one of those where I'm just kind of reaching for something to be a little different because, quite honestly, those ladies are still continuing to tell a phenomenal story even in a loss, and that's just pushing their story along so much further. So the only reason they're on the slide is just strictly because they lost their titles. Who is your wrestler on the slide for the pay-per-view? I'm actually going to change from what I'd initially sent you. I'm going to go with the Iconics. Um, I actually felt like they I, – I kind of feel bad. I felt like they got a bit of a raw deal in terms of – they never really, I felt like, got a chance to – excuse me – to be the – uh, you know, I, I always felt like they – you know, and, and maybe they'll get a bigger, bigger chance now that they're feuding. But I thought that they're – that they just always were sort of treated as a joke and they never, you know, I know that they won the titles at WrestleMania, but I even felt like, you know, after that, once they beat the boss and hug connection, I don't know if you remember, they really didn't do anything with the belts, which just was not, you know, and it's not a knock on them. It's, and as somebody who found them incredibly entertaining, I was really bummed out that that was where they went with it. You know, it was like that they, and so that's my wrestler on the slide. And I can understand that because I want to uh, go on that for a second because I found myself, uh, like you said, even though you, you know, we talked, we did touch. That was one of the few things on Raw that we did actually talk about. I was a little bit sad about that because you know these two ladies have been working together their entire careers just to get themselves to this point, and uh, you know I'm sure that being under contract that they'll be fine and so on, but that's got to be. Um, a little disheartening that you know y'all come this way this far you're so right about the fact that they could have done so much more with the tag titles um they had 
did when they had come back um, after quarantine, they had looked so great. Um, they, they've definitely been uh, fine-tuning themselves. So who knows? Maybe they are indeed ready to be uh, doing some solo stuff. But I, I can agree with that wrestler on the slide. Um, match of the pay-per-view, I believe that we had chosen the same. Mine was the universal title. Uh, it was really hard to go against just the spectacle of it. There was a beautiful, raw brutality in the beginning. And the subtle wink with the uh contract nod i mean the superplex and now I, I there were so so many great things and yet wonky things but it, it was the thing to talk about uh your match of the paper was the was the universal title match and i like the the superplex spot i just hope i feel like they're going to that well a lot like they i feel like it's a very cool visual and I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Charles Robinson's a damn Charles player. Robinson. My <laughs> girlfriend is, even caught that. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was one of those where I caught it on the replay, and I was just like, like, it, it, I, I just, guy's been doing this for 20, you know, what like, I, I we, yeah, and I thought that he sold it. Um, I, I hope that they, it's not something that I hope, that, you know, that they go to often. I thought that it was good. But I thought, yeah, I thought the brutality of it. Um, I don't love the mallet just because it. Uh, it's I don't like, and, and I'll I'll explain. I don't like the sledgehammer either. Is that I don't believe that you know if this I I it looks like a prop to me. It looks like a cartoony yeah. prop, and if if you, I don't think that you're going to hit somebody with that mallet. You know? Right. Um, well, and, and that's why, and that's why I said it was fitting because Braun Strowman is literally the only person who can take it. I remember when he pulled that out on Seth Rollins when we were first introduced to the scene, it's like, you can't hit Seth Rollins with that. He'll die. Yeah. And, and so Braun's can, like the only person of the size who can, who can feasibly take a swing from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my, I, I, I thought that, and I thought that actually the, uh, the one thing, and it's picking nits, and actually that's a sign of how good it was as a match, was that the one thing with those is that it's very hard with a character like the Fiend who's not supposed to feel weakness or pain to, to be laid out for a while. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, apparently, uh, yeah, I, I was like, did he ever feud with Brock? Like, apparently... Uh, somebody joked that the uh, that Paul Heyman told him that that Bray Wyatt had the same the Fiend had the same weakness that Brock Lesnar did, which is that uh, just, just take him in the junk, like uh, which you know worked out. But yeah, I thought that it was a really and, and I thought that actually ultimately I thought that the guys who really are sort of the focal points, the Fiend and uh, and uh, Roman came out of that looking really, you know, Roman didn't, you know, came out looking like a really strong heel. And I thought that uh, Braun came, and uh, I thought that Bray came out not looking weak for having lost. Right. Yes. And, and that, that was uh, super important because like we had just built the theme back up. We can't take all of that away. So uh, again, that was one of the reasons why uh, I felt that it had to be Braun that had to take the loss here. And, so and the storyline. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
no, I was, I'm sorry. I was just this popped into my head is that like if we're getting Roman over as a heel and Braun and Bray over as a face, if you know Bray Wyatt can come out and sort of be like, I never was pinned, you know, like, <laughs> and have Roman sort of be a chicken, you know, a chicken shit heel in the sense that he's like, yeah, I'm gonna wrestle Braun. You know, Braun lost the match; he gets a rematch. He was the one who got pinned. And I just think that there is a, you know, you can tell, you know, really build up the desire to see uh, uh, the Fiend versus Roman and, and mm. using old school tactics in that regard. So I can um, dig it. So storyline you should be paying attention to. What storyline do you have? Uh, <laughs> this is, this is actually where I wanted to chew out. Uh, the, the, you brought it up a little bit, and I really just wanted a chance to sort of crap. No, on. I wanted to let you. I wanted to let you be able to go <laughs> with it at length. So please let them have it. Is the there was the tweet before the show that I assume was brought and and you know okayed by Matt Riddle's wife, uh, where Baron Corbin said, "I'm going to prove that uh, he's a failure in the ring." Uh, the same way that he's a failure at home. I want to make sure that I quoted this correctly. Uh, Tonight I proved Matt Riddle is a failure in the WWE ring. By the way, he's already proven that he's a failure at home. So I I just want to bring up that for those who don't know, uh, that there was a speaking out accusation that Matt Riddle had sexually assaulted a female wrestler in the back of a van. Uh, Riddle's denied it. He said he did have an affair with her. But he also, you know, said that he didn't assault her. It was always consensual. Uh, the driver of the van said that it was, he never saw Matt Riddle assault her. Uh, I have to be honest. It really makes me uncomfortable, even if, you know, that there's even a question. I think that it's really gross. You know, it's one thing if he had an affair. I think that that's, you know, as long as Matt Riddle and his wife clear it, you know and are okay with it uh but it's really gross to me when there's sexual assault allegations involved with it and like it's not something that i think should be used as a storyline and i i i don't put it on baron corbin because or matt riddle uh i i or lisa riddle i really put it on the the creative team because it just felt it's not like sexual assault this is not like part of the show and it shouldn't be made part of the show and if matt riddle you know, if he was guilty, he shouldn't be on in the WWE. You know, I, 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 I truly believe that. So it does bother Period. me. Yeah. I mean, there's no full stop. I mean, I, I, we've been pretty clear on the Velveteen dream. I'm not gonna, you know, pick favorites about this. And I think that, you know, and, and that's why it bothers me is that the affair is connected to that. Um, and it's just didn't feel right and it just felt gross to me so uh no and and i completely understand your point because quite honestly not knowing all of the facts i was really high on matt riddle and i still sometimes find myself you know doing his little bro walk and then i catch myself like (sighs) because you know i don't know and and it's iffy and yes I, i i do not I, I fully agree with you if it was just a straight adultery thing fine if you guys are okay with using it that's, that's quite okay considering that he was 
that it came out as part of that uh, speaking out campaign and that there were allegations and, you know, I don't know what the full stories are and likely we never will. It's kind of hard for me to be okay with co-signing using such a tasteless act. You know, some people, you know, thought I was being uh, too baby face about being upset with them using uh, Jeff Hardy's demons against him with the Seamus feud or whatever. And it's like, you know, I'm sorry. It's, that's not something that should be just bandied about, even though this is just an adult soap opera. You know, there are people out there having real fights and real struggles every minute with the battle of addiction. I mean, hell, in my backyard, there was just a, a heroin bus that collected 10,000 bags of heroin. Uh, you know, kids are dying all over the place from addiction, be it alcohol, drugs. So I'm sorry, I, I don't find it funny to joke around about using addiction. I don't find sexual assault funny or any or belonging in any entertainment sport at all, period. The, the other, and this is something that Keith said that I've sort of come around on is, is that I worry also, like, you know, that there's a aspect of, like, what is Matt Riddle supposed to say? Like, no, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, there, I feel like there's a lot of pressure. And I would hope that he would feel comfortable. I actually, my hope is, is that he is comfortable enough in who he is and his life that he could be like, no, absolutely not. My family comes first. But I also think that there's a lot of pressure on these guys to be agreeable and, like, well, if you're not going to play ball, you know, I think there's, there's this weird, like, arbitrary decision in wrestling on what makes somebody difficult and, like, what makes somebody just, uh, you know, firm. And, and it, it is arbitrary, you know, that, that sometimes people who shoot down storylines get punished for it and other times they don't. Um, but I do worry about that. Like, I, I, and like you said, it's not something that I think is a joke and it's not something, like, it's real life. Like, if, if he sexually assaulted this, like... I, and whatever happened, you know, that this woman clearly feels like the, you know, whatever happened, she very clearly was not happy with how the relation, you know, with things, how things ended. And I, I, I think that she deserves to be heard. And I don't think that she deserves to have this made part of the storyline. So it bothered Absolutely. me. I thought it was tasteless and I thought that it was really it's one thing, you know, and I'm with you on the Jeff Hardy thing too, especially, you know, it's one thing if he was sober for, you know, if this was something that was in the long past, you know, that this is something that he had an issue with, but it's something that he's really struggled with. And I'm with you, you know, it's, it's, it's something that seemed tenuous and I would rather Jeff Hardy, like, Hey, maybe we don't need to talk about this. And like, I get that he's probably comfortable about it because he's also somebody who like just seems to not like, you know, I, I think that he is who he is and he lives in front of the spotlight, but I'm also like, guys, maybe we don't have to like remind him of his slip ups, you know? Right. I mean, we're literally less than a, uh, what maybe a year removed from his last uh, public relapse? Yeah, so that's that, just awful. Yeah, and, and like he's also like I assume that some of this is because he's in a lot of pain from you know he and and Matt have uh, talked extensively about the injuries that they have and the style that they've worked. Like you know I'm I'm 
I'm pretty, you know, I, I would rather, I always said this about Daniel Bryan is like all of his stuff has found money to me because I would rather Daniel Bryan never wrestled another match again after 2016, as long as he lived to be like 105, you know, I, 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 these are human beings. I don't want them to die for my amusement. And, and it's, it's, you know, I, I, you know, ultimately I think that that's probably the stance and maybe we're, you know, people can argue that we're being too sensitive, but I would rather be too considerate to these guys than be like, you know, dance for my entertainment, you know, that's right. And, 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 to your point, because we can take that into so many arenas. It's, I, I, I cannot treat this as a wrestling's version of shut up and dribble. I won't. Yeah. No. It's so, especially, well, just sorry to put it, to, to put a period on it. Uh, or, you know, I think that's the, well, anyway, uh, the, uh, <laughs> is that where it's fiction, but, you know, it, it's just, it, it, I, it, okay, is this real? Is this not? Yeah, it gets into stuff that just makes me uncomfortable. So I, I'm with you on that, and I think we're on the same page. Totally. Um, my storyline you should be paying attention to, which we're definitely not going to give a lot of talk to since we kind of touched on it earlier, is just the women's tag team division. I'm kind of, cons- I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. The next challenger, will the next challenger be... Uh, a few will it just be kind of a one or two off and then we're on to the next um i'm just hoping that they do get the chance to use this to elevate um more of the female talents um i do hope that they continue to use the tag titles across all brands that you know all the competitors do get a fair shot at yeah so moving on to the well, both the face and heel of the pay-per-view, I'm pretty positive that we had both the same. Uh, your face of the pay-per-view, good sir. Uh, my face of the pay-per-view is the guy that they're pushing to the moons, Keith Lee. I thought that, you know, he looked like a star. He, he won clean. Uh, I thought he, he – I mean, I, I thought that he came out of that. Just they're strapping a rocket to him, and, and it's really cool. <laughs> Totally. I'm wondering, though, uh, in his couple of matches, and maybe he's waiting to introduce it, his uh, jackknife power uh, power slam um, hasn't been shown yet. Uh, Are are we waiting to see that, or or is the spirit bomb going to be uh, his finisher for the foreseeable future? Uh, my, my, my like conspiracy theory is somebody explaining to Vince what, why it was called the big bang catastrophe. And like, Vince was like, Oh, we have to like the same thing as a stop. He's like, well, we have to rename that. <laughs> like somebody explained to him what a BBC was. And he was like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Uh, like, God damn pal. We can't do that. <laughs> and, uh, but the uh i think that they're saving it and i actually think that it would be uh really cool to see him do like that would be a great way you know i i think that that would be great to sort of uh i don't know how much how much of a wrestling nerd am i i don't know how much all japan from the 90s you watched but uh the uh, burning hammer i don't know if you're familiar with that move Mm-mm. Uh, so the burning hammer was a finisher 
um, that was used by uh, Kenta Kobashi. And it's a, it was a move that he didn't use very often, but it was like, no one, like you don't kick out of the burning hammer. And he, and so like, if he uses that, like he's wrestling Drew McIntyre or somebody who's like a big deal and kicks out of the spirit bomb, then he breaks out the big bang catastrophe. And like, that's his like exclamation point for the match. I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, I my face of the pay per view um, was also Keith Lee. Um, there's not really much more to say. Um, I'm very excited for Keith Lee. I'm very happy for him, and just hoping that they uh, play play it right with him and they get it right. I don't know exactly how that will be, and you know, please myself and other wrestling fans. Um, I just know that. I, I know a star when I see one, and he, he looks like a bona fide stud. Um, uh, my heel of the pay-per-view was Roman Reigns, which I believe yours was as well. Um, there was no better heel. Um, the, the heelish way of coming down, dragging a chair, and signing the contract as funny and as uh, strange as it is, um, you know, you, you kick the top face in the in the nuts, and you steal the WWE, you, you steal the Universal Championship. I mean, there's no bitter, bigger way to be a heel than that. Sam, what do you say? I'm with you, and even down to like the. I'm always into the little things. Like I loved, and Brock Lesnar is one of those guys who really gets like the the little things that become big things. Like I remember when Keith Lee came out. And he, he, he looked at Paul Heyman, he goes, he's a big boy. And uh, uh, Roman's carrying the title the way that, like, he looks like the, the, the rebellious kid in a teenage, like, a, a high school show with his backpack. Like, he does not I, – I feel like that's a little thing, but I feel like it shows how little he values the title. And I think he did it – I feel like he might have done it previously – uh, but it, it, it's, it's something that works both as a heel and a face because, it, yeah, he's a champ. He wants to be, you know, make the most money, be the face of the company, but he doesn't give a shit. Like, it's like, whatever, it's the title. I'm the champ. This is mine. It should have been mine. Like, I never lost here. it. Yeah, I never lost it. I had my title opportunity. Stole, like, screw you guys. This, this is mine. This is my yard, yada, yada, yada. I just thought that it was – he does – a great job and, and I think that ultimately he will come back stronger as a face for the same reason a lot of these guys do is is that there's a point where they're so cool and they're so good at it that you want to cheer them and, and I think that it sort of sucks for Roman but he's still young and he's so talented and I'm just excited for him to be a heel and I I've, I actually you know going back to like these are people I think that the whole leukemia thing and like choosing to put his twins and his family ahead of wrestling, like this makes me like him and like, I'm happy for him and I'm happy that he's getting the chance to, to, you know, I, I never blamed him um, for the, for his push. And what was he supposed to say? Um, and I just think that he's great. I don't know if you've seen him on Twitter. 
No, I still have yet to join the Twitterverse, which I'm coming. I'm coming. You, you guys are you guys are for, basically forcing me to. And honestly, it, it'll be good for me anyway. But See, uh, what about his Twitter? He tweeted yesterday. Um, somebody tweeted Roman being forced down people's throats again. Such an overrated performer. The belts has changed hands so many times. It just has no prestige. Rubbish. And Roman quote tweeted it and said, only reason I'm down your throat is because you keep your mouth open. I'm the best performer of this Yes, I, actually, I did see that. And, and, I, I, and I thought that, like, I, I think that, and again, it feels a bit hypocritical with some of Seth's tweets, but I thought, that, like, that's a great way to use Twitter as a heel. Like, that was just perfect. Like, it, it is, you know, the titles in the right hands for its value. It's just like, chef's kiss like it's such a great heel moment that i i loved it and i thought that he's he's gonna be a great heel and i'm super excited for when we get those crowds back and those people boo the shit out of him because you know that 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 is and that's one thing i don't know about you i even when i liked the heel like when daniel bryan was a heel if i went to a live show i was gonna boo him because I wanted the I wanted them to know that he was doing a good job as a heel, and I think Roman is doing a good job as a heel. Right. Thank you See, for uh, your input, Okoye. She she agrees with you as well. Um, exactly. And yeah, and this is one of and this is one of those points. And you know, I'm not one of those people. Like you know, when I go to wrestling shows, I feel that you know the crowd will do enough to do the crowd interaction. I can just sit here and just enjoy my show. It'll it. This would be one of those things I would not mind stepping out of what I would normally do and join everyone in the booing and jeering because, quite honestly, this is something that this is the only this is one of the ways to keep Roman Reigns fresh, quite honestly. And I'm super stoked to see what kind of heel he's going to be. I mean, he's already at the top. Um, let's see what kind of heelish and goonish things he can pull out of this title. It, it is, yeah, I mean, I, I'm super excited. I, I, it's so funny that, like, this is what the WWE's wanted for years. For years! And, like, I'm just, like, the, the, yeah, are you a Simpsons fan? I am. You know the, the episode with Poochie, the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, where Homer comes in with, like, the list of things and he thinks they she's like, whenever Poochie isn't on screen, they should be asking, where's Poochie? And for years, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. That's been like the internet wrestling geek. Like I'm sure RC is listening. This is like goddamn dorks. What, when, <laughs> when he does, <laughs> yeah, he's like nerds. But like that was the joke about Kevin Nash. It was the joke about John. You know, not so much Cena, but definitely Roman. And the and, and now like I like literally they had us ask like, where's Roman on Sunday? And it's just it, it's so great. Like he's he's just killing it. And I really like I'm so happy to like boo the shit out of him as i'm supposed to as am i well man wow we we actually got to run this long i actually thought that we would be able to keep this down um i do appreciate you getting in here with me sam is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here i yeah i'd like to plug uh a friend of mine uh internet friend uh bill handstock uh his twitter is sundown motel uh, he is, and he has a book coming out called uh, the 
let me uh, called We Promised You a, it's coming out on, uh, We Promised You a Great Main Event in Unauthorized WWE History. Uh, it's going to be coming out on October 13th. Uh, Bill is a great writer and a great Twitter follow. Uh, check him out, Sundown Motel. And uh, I'd also, I, I feel the need, you know, just want to plug for RC because $5 is a great value to be an all-star member of IBN Sports. Uh, you know, you plug it at the beginning of the show, but I am, uh, I'm not just a member, I'm also a customer. So definitely it's worth your five bucks. <laughs> Um, it, it also, I think, gives you a voice. RC, you know, we joke about him being a tyrant, but he is very committed to growing this, and he definitely loves yes, he to is. listen. And if you're willing to pay money, he he really will listen. He's not, you know, I, I know I'm killing his gimmick. Uh, I know I'm pulling a John Cena and, uh, <laughs> you, you know, saying that, that Alberto Del Rio rents the cars, but he is willing to listen. So definitely the $5 is well spent. Absolutely, um, definitely worth it. Um, me personally, I'm a double all star. Um, it honestly pays for itself. If I were, I mean, hell, if I were a gambler, it pays for itself usually within the first week of the month with the way that um, Keith and Alan uh, knock out the backdoor podcasts in their covers. Um, while I'm at it, while we're getting into plugs, um, there is the backdoor podcast with uh, Keith and Actively Lazy. I'm not certain when the gentleman will be back. Um, also would like to plug uh, the Team Turnbuckle podcast, uh, podcast group on Facebook. Uh, we thank all of you guys for all of your content, all that you continue to put in there in terms of all of the uh happenings outside of our main wrestling um companies i feel like there was one more else yes of course yes uh the newly founded team turnbuckle uh twitter handle so do follow us on team turnbuckle on twitter i will be sure to come behind us and join uh final thing i'd like to plug is uh harvestcreditors.com um, if you need to get your credit score up, you have some derogatory items on your credit score, uh, feel free to get in contact with me, uh, mention the podcast, and that'll help you save $100 on activating your credit restoration services. Um, so yeah, Harvest Creditors, uh, official Ronald Tinsley on Instagram, Ronald Tinsley on Facebook, uh, both personal and business. Sam, my man, um, it was a pleasure just doing this it was a little weird for me you know this is kind of the first time i had to take point on this but you really uh as always were great and thank you for being here to do this uh we want to send a special well wishes to our brother keith we hope you get well soon brother and we'll be talking with you soon and that has been another edition of the team turnbuckle wrestling podcast on the ivy sports network we will talk with you soon thank you guys